Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning, friends. <laughs> Papa Duty became first before Pastor Duty. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Running around. Um, so uh, the pastor at Camus Friends is Matt Boswell. I don't know if you know Matt or not, but he's pretty incredible. And this week, he wrote a little blurb that went out on the Sierra Cascades uh, email newsletter. And I read it, and I was like, Matt, you stole my thunder. <laughs> and I texted him, and I said, I wrote my message before you. <laughs> um, but if you read the newsletter, this is going to sound redundant, because apparently we're both swimming in the same stream of spirit this morning, but hey, that must be a sign in of itself. When I mention where the scripture reading comes from, you might bristle, because it's John 3, and we'll get down to 16. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these things that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after, after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, I love the very truly, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? 
Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I told you about earthly things and you did not believe, how can you believe I tell you what I tell you about heavenly things? No one, was, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of humanity. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Okay, are we ready? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This week, as I was discerning what to say this morning, I decided to pay attention to the way in which my brain responded to the prompt, pay attention, what is Spirit saying? On this particular day, I was in the kitchen, I just, I just walked in the door after picking up the kids from school. As backpacks were being shed, a familiar routine kicked in. There were requests for a snack, for cups of milk, for help turning on a screen. Once the kids were settled, I stared into the refrigerator wondering what to make for dinner. I see some carrots, I have an onion, maybe soup? I don't have any protein or stock. Oh, I need to run to the store. I forgot Cade needs milk. Then a ding and a buzz in my pocket. I pull it out and see a notification that someone in my neighborhood was concerned about someone walking around casing homes. I thought, did I remember to lock the back door last night? I open the garage door and see that indeed the door was locked. But as I'm about to shut the door, I notice the box of paint sitting on the floor. And I remember that I still need to paint that door in our living room. But it sure would be easier if I remembered to stop at the old house to pick up the sawhorses I left there. When I walk back inside, my three-year-old hollers from the bathroom that she needs help. And while I wait for her to finish up, I lean on the bathroom vanity and decide to check Instagram. The first post is from the realtor who helped us buy our house. And it hits me that I never sent her the photo she asked me to send. <sighs> she probably thinks I'm such a flake. Scroll down a bit more, and there's an ad for some beautiful floating shelves with mason jars filled with oatmeal and rice sitting on them. Right! I've been searching for how to DIY that. And Instagram is showing me an ad, reminding me that that project isn't done. My daughter says something in the background, and without really hearing a word, I utter a reassuring but completely absent, uh-huh. My son hollers from downstairs, Papa, I'm hungry. Is dinner ready yet? What? Dinner? Oh, right. Carrots and onion, no stock. That is a glimpse into my head over the course of maybe five minutes. All the while, I am holding the prompt, what is spirit trying to say to me right now? <laughs> Get real. There is something called the attention economy. The, wor the world of marketing basically controls it. But the general premise is, our attention is the most precious commodity that exists. 
If brands, campaigns, and organizations can get our attention, then they've done almost all the work they need to do to get us to give them our money. There are many strategies that exist out there. Some are as old as humanity itself. If we can put someone attractive in your vision and they have something you want, chances are we can convince you to get that thing. We now live in the era of the influencer. These are people who brands pay to put out content on social media. Brands will send thousands upon thousands of dollars of free merchandise to influencers, along with thousands upon thousands of dollars so that they will make one Instagram post about their product or a five-second video on their Instagram stories. Brands know that millions of people, namely young people, are looking into these individuals' lives every second of the day. And if they insert their product or service into a few of those seconds, that investment will likely pay off quite well for them. We also live in the era of people creating false identities in order to get attention. Folks who live as a character, often with wildly overstated political or religious views or outlandish lifestyles and who immediately drop the character once the cameras stop rolling. It distorts reality and often creates fanatics that assume the perspective and lifestyle of these pseudo-individuals. This is why the passage in John is so intriguing to me. Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus, a Pharisee. We know the reputation of Pharisees with Jesus, namely that they seem quite focused on discrediting him and frequently find themselves all worked up when he doesn't follow the rules. The text says that Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night. If you look up paintings of this encounter, many of them are dramatically lit, with Jesus and Nicodemus' face contrasted by the light of one or two candles. Nicodemus has this curious but fearful look on his face, like at any moment his fellow Pharisees will stumble upon him sitting down with the enemy. But I really admire Nicodemus in this story. He says, listen, I know there's something special about you. Nicodemus has been paying attention to the circus surrounding Jesus. The wild healings, raising people from the dead, miraculous acts of multiplying food, walking on water, all of it. And it's clear that Jesus knows the reason behind all the spectacle. Because now, here is a Pharisee who was intrigued. He got Nicodemus' attention. And then he tells him exactly what the purpose of it is. He says something that confuses Nicodemus at first. He says, you need to be born again from above. And Nicodemus is like, um, hey, Mr. Born from a Virgin, I'm not sure you understand how this whole birth thing works. <laughs> but it's fairly simple. You see, your body is big. And well, you can't really go back into your mother's womb because... Ouch and ew. 
It's clear the concept of rebirth is a new one for Nicodemus, and frankly, I think we are all descendants of his struggle. Jesus is talking about something that is a bit hard to pin down, and he uses the example of the wind to help. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus calls this being born of of the water and spirit. I think Jesus is talking about attention here. I know some of you bristled at the mention of being reborn. I did too. As an ex-evangelical, that term is hard to hear to this day. And I think it just adds another layer of confusion and Nicodemus-like wondering to this concept of being reborn. Is it about salvation? Like the when you're dead, you go to heaven type of salvation? I don't know. But what feels more obvious to me is that Jesus is saying, being reborn from above will mean that you will see the world differently. You will pay attention differently. And this way of paying attention will save you from the temptation to drift away from the creative and countercultural power of radical love and grace. I remember the day this really became clear to me. I was in college, sitting in a theology course with a professor who intimidated me. About halfway into the semester, he came in, put a DVD in, and hit play. For the next few minutes, we watched Riveted as a tiny, frail woman covered head to toe in white robes, trimmed with royal blue, walked down dirty streets until she stopped and started picking up a shivering, naked man lying on the curb. Mother Teresa. She gently stroked the side of the man's face and then kissed him on the forehead. And then she put a sponge of water to his mouth. And his, uh, and his wide eyes stared deeply into hers. My professor turned off the TV, DVD and with tears in his eyes sat in a chair and said, I know the illusion of this course and of me, that we are here poring over the finer points of God, reading a bunch of dead white guys who made livings off writing hard to understand texts but it's all crap compared to this. It doesn't have to be this complicated, understanding God. What you just watched is it, friends. Mother Teresa knew it. She understood being reborn. She was in the spirit of all the things we try to explain. She was in the water. Being reborn is about paying attention in a different way, and it really does require a rebirth of our minds and hearts each and every day. Because I really think that oftentimes love, compassion, and grace are no competition when it comes to the attention with the voice inside us that tells us we aren't good enough or that we should be afraid. In order to put those things in perspective, we need to approach each day with a rebirth, where we look at fear and feelings of inadequacy 
as simply the narrative that is pointing us towards community and learning to have faith that conquers fear. Do you, know what I, do you want to know why I love this place when I first visited it? I noticed the possibility of this community being a playground for the ways in which we pay attention differently. I noticed us valuing being joyfully absurd and wonderfully prophetic. I still feel that here at West Hills, but the narrative we are currently living under is that we are tired. In my rubbing shoulders with other Quakers in the Northwest, that is one of the first things I hear from people. Wow, you guys must be exhausted. And for good reason. But I think it is possible for us to realize that there is as much energy to be found in resting as there is in creating together. I think we can be a place that does both. We can be a waypoint on the journey of folks who are in need of a resting place, but we can also be a generative space, a space where from our attention to the spirit, we create, we respond, and we act. Here are some queries. How have you noticed the competition for your attention in your life? When you discover that you are paying attention differently, what does it look and feel like to you? What does paying attention differently look like for us as a faith community in the Pacific Northwest? Hey. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. <laughs>